think I need a drink, I just need to chill Maybe I need a shrink, need to hear him preach It's a minute peace, I'm always in a What up y'all, this is the Rebirth of Life and Love podcast We are coming at you, episode 10 Ooh, From to 10. our House, we're back again in the house, okay y'all Life is always life in it and we just pivot and we make it do what it do and we got a different setup. So you might see us like in our room, you might see us in the closet, like we might move this podcast around. Uh, we got a, a fun trip coming up this weekend, so you might see us on the road. See, y'all didn't know that we were that flexible. We were like water, like liquid. We can go wherever we need to go <laughs> to bring you this content, to bring you these uh action items on love and relationships and today in life. And today we're getting into a deep one. Yes. We are going to talk about PTSD and relationships. Post-traumatic stress syndrome in relationships and how you can bring PTSD from your life and your childhood Mm -hmm. into your relationship. This is something I feel like we're not giving you tips on how to bring it. We're just simply saying it comes in different forms. It comes in different forms. Like, so we're going to story tell around those forms that it comes in and a little of what we learned on how we navigate. Because right. I don't know if you can really fix it. I don't know. I don't think you can fix it. I think you can just be honest with it and communicate with your partner. Communication, episode nine, go back, watch it. But we're going to share different types because Rome's got a story of a PTSD situation of what he took from a previous relationship. And I think that's what you see most is the, a, a situation and experience happen prior to a relationship that you're in. And you bring that trauma with you and your partner's not aware of it and doesn't know how to handle it. And so there's a lot of raw emotions and there's a lot of things you're dealing with because of that situation. And we've, we've gone through that. And then there's the situation for us of PTSD within the relationship and, and what happened with us when we had Callie. So I'm, I'm going to kick it over to you because I, this story that you shared, I feel like it took maybe like a year or so for you to be vulnerable to share it with me. And then it kind of clicked on why you do some of the things you do. Well, it's, it's a theme that we always talk about We always talk about doing Mm self-work and making sure that you're looking into things, looking into these insecurities, asking questions, asking tough questions internally and externally to figure out the why. And so there was a situation and it's crazy because it's almost it's almost relevant. A few weeks ago, there was uh, let me take one step back. There have been a lot of fan fights at NFL games and stadiums. a lot of which has come from 49ers fans. It's just is what it is. 49ers fans, Cowboys fans, and realistically, one of the viral moments that happened was there were two women getting in a fight and the boyfriend just stood to the side and let basically this lady get jumped, Mm -hmm. his girl get jumped. And so the topic topic of conversation most of the week was around would you let your partner get jumped? Mm. And so a lot of people, you know, say, no, I would never let that happen or, you they know, whatever. They're going to jump in like, kind, kind like of bow out. Like who? 
like well, Birmingham. Yeah, they're oh, gonna jump yeah. in and the whole that was, crew. It was actually Montgomery. Montgomery. They're gonna yeah. jump in like Montgomery. The whole crew gonna which one are you? Are you gonna sit back and let it happen? Or are you gonna have the whole squad come in like Montgomery and and handle business? Yeah. Well, there was a situation with a past partner where again, I don't know what happened beforehand mm-hmm. because I wasn't there. I was off playing basketball. And honestly, I wasn't even supposed to see her that night because I was supposed to be starting a temp job the next day. And so I ended up stopping by before I went home. Mm -hmm. And realistically, it was like, I I can't necessarily play all the details back in my head just because it was was really fuzzy. But but long story short, uh, one of her, her, I thought was friends at the time. It was a coworker um, pulled up right behind us and we were outside talking and then we were talking in her car and then the person pulled up right behind us and Mm -hmm. we were both kind of like, Oh, what's, you know, what's going on? And I'm in the passenger seat. So like, I don't have any like idea of what's happening. And so she opens the door is like, what's up? And the girl just starts hitting her, hitting her, just swinging. And Mm -hmm. the girl like was, she almost like was a point to where like everybody was in shock to where like the defense mechanism hasn't kicked in yet to like defend myself. I was in the passenger, passenger seat. seat. Imagine this is happening where you are. Imagine someone's just coming and, and hitting you and I'm just sitting here like, oh my God, like now they're outside the car. And so I'm like, okay, this girl, the one who was the aggressor um, was bigger in stature. She was mm-hmm. physical. Like she was basically just having her way with this person and then the other person started fighting back, but it wasn't like to the point to where she could fight her off of her. Okay. So I get out of the car. Mm. So I get out of the car and get between them. There wasn't any like get physical with with any of them. Like I'm like actually separating. I have my back turned to the aggressor girl. And so I'm making sure like she can't hit through me. So I'm a shield at this point. And because I have my back turned, I didn't see the six dudes get out of the car Ooh. behind her. And now I'm surrounded and now we're in the middle of the street and imagine I'm in the middle of the circle. Like imagine if you've ever seen the movie Black Panther, how they have those uh, those fights where you're trying to challenge the Panther for the to be the king. Oh, yeah. And it was like that where you turn around, there's all these people right here. And so, of course, naturally, I'm just like in my head, I'm like, okay, bracing is this is what about to have what i think is about to happen about to happen Mm -hmm. and then my mind is because my mind process is quick i'm like okay well there's nowhere for me to go but i'm more so now like i'm literally like checking like okay looking at pockets looking at hands do they have anything on them because now i'm like is my life in jeopardy and one of them actually had a knife on him he didn't pull it but i saw it and so Next thing you know, I get grabbed from behind. I turn around. That was my mistake. Once I got grabbed, it was probably like a, a moment of just just drop. But I get grabbed because I'm pulled this way. Then another person hits me. And the next thing you know, I'm on the ground getting kicked in the face. And Is she I, still in the fight? No, at this girl? point. No, no, no. At this point, no. And I was able to to like break free. And granted, like I'm getting kicked in the face. So like my face is swelling up, so I can't see. And this is at like probably 10 45 at night close to 11 
And so I'm able to get away up the street. Like I have a, so this was like kind of like down away from the house. And so I'm able to like get to her yard then they jump on me again. And then now I'm just laying lifeless in the grass and I, um, their, their fight already, their fight had already stopped. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm like crawling into her house, like crawling up to her room to get her dad. And like, I had blood everywhere. Like my face was, if you've ever seen that episode of Martin, when Martin was boxing, my face was was messed up. I I ended up having a concussion from that. And so long story short, because my stepdad was a police officer at the time. So I couldn't get obviously my phone because I didn't have it on me. Yeah. And so I get her dad. Her dad comes down with the bat. By that time, like everybody dispersed. Now, the crazy part is I didn't hear this happen, but she told me it happened. One of the dudes was like, yo, his dad's a cop. We got to go. And so that's what actually like got them like off and away. And so... So now I get them off me and um, I get away or now, sorry, someone comes and says, stepdad's a cop. They disperse. Her dad goes down there. By this time, she's walking back towards her house. And like I said, I'm, (laughs) I can't cuss, but like I was the F word up. Like that's, it was, it was pretty bad. Like I actually had to go to the hospital that night and got treated for a concussion and got treated for lacerations on my face and what that day did for me is like I, it was hard for me to trust you know before right but now it's like a almost like this post traumatic um thing where if somebody is behind me mm-hmm. i'm automatically tensing up like oh, yeah. i'm 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 ready for war like you cuz cuz i felt so defenseless and i can share this like i don't it, it's it took me a while to understand where all of my uh, anger from that point mm-hmm. came from, but it was because I was so defenseless in that moment and couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't even fend for myself. And that's like, you know, the perfect thing of like when people say, when you get punched in the face, how do you respond? Type yeah. thing. It's like that saying in life, when life punches you in the face or everybody has a plan. That's what it, everybody has a plan until you're punched yeah. in the face. Yeah. And I feel like that situation made it for you like I'm never going to be caught slipping. Never. 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 You know? Never and, one more time. And the moment someone even tries to come at me, like you are at 100. And I feel like that's also some like your defensive mechanism. All, you know, it, it comes from that moment yeah. of I was left vulnerable. That will never happen. I never thought that would happen to me. And now I'm coming at you at 100. Like, and yeah. like you said, I, I think it hit me one day when I came from behind you or I tried to surprise you or something and you just turned really quickly and your energy was like, I'm just yeah, chilling. You were like, the... don't come from behind me. Don't surprise me with anything. I don't like to be caught off guard about anything. Well, let, let just... me, hold on. Let me, let me actually touch on those. It's, it's more of like the don't come from behind me and like touch me right that's, and tap yeah. me it is it the surprise thing is more so like because it takes me a minute like we talked about last time it takes me a minute to process things right so if you're surprising me you're expecting this happy reaction that's probably not going to happen like right. in my head i'm just like oh, okay like what's going on figuring it out and so i don't act emotionally not being surprised is for other people not necessarily for me it's yeah, because you're not gonna don't come from behind you and don't physically touch you when you're not expecting it when i'm not or expecting just in it general, or looking like, 
your love language is not touch person, mm-hmm. you know, and then it also comes from that moment of being in a fight and not not even a fight, being like attacked. I was assault, yes. You were attacked by a group a of men. Like you had no defense, you had no way to protect yourself. And that has made its way into our relationship. And I feel like for us, it was just addressing it. I didn't get at first, like why you were, you didn't like to be touched or why you didn't like that. And it flashed back. And I feel like PTSD, a lot of that is you get taken back to that moment too many times. I still get flashbacks to this day, to to this day. And again, I always think about like, what would happen if I ever saw any one of them today? Because I, I you know, again, like, I was smaller Mm -hmm. than I am today. I was not as strong as I am today. Mm -hmm. But also, like, again, and I know this is getting off on a a tangent, but, like, also, I don't have as much control over my emotions today as I did back then. Mm. And so it's one of those moments, again, I keep using references, the movie Southpaw. He saw oh. he, that last boxing match. He saw, bro said the right words to him, and he snapped, and he was about to knock that man's head off. Right. And so, as much growth as as we've seen, and as much as like you know, I try to to channel it today. Mm-hmm. It's like my protective measures are probably through the roof right now. But again, like it, it comes with all that baggage. Yeah, but do you also feel like it comes from being a dad as well? The protective measures, like I must protect my children, protect my family, protect our legacy. And the other side is you have so much to lose. You have your family, you have your legacy. So you're on one side wanting to protect this family and can easily just let someone know what it is, what time it is. Well, that's why. But then you got to use your words very carefully because I feel like in the situation we've been lately with social media, with people coming in our comments, say. saying things about our child, about our family, about why we're using this platform the way we are. Like, y'all, we've got, I'm like, I shouldn't make it so general. We've got people who come in our comments and attack us and say we're not being sincere, say that we're using this for clout and they don't understand our purpose or our mission. We have people saying things about our child and the way she looks. Me it's and Callie had a work. whole Reddit thread and people were giving us death threats because they were threatening me for making her suffer and they were threatening her because she's just less than life. And that's the kind of moment, again, the culmination of all, all of it is like, I don't play about my family. Mm-mm. I don't play about myself. Mm-mm. And so regardless of whatever I would have to do to protect us all, it's no doubt in my mind that I'm going there. Right. And so that's where we're at today is like, we have to deal, you know, with so much and even, you know, kind of segueing into how some of this PTSD has happened in our parenting journey. It's like, there are times when, you know, we've gone to the ER and didn't get answers. Mm -hmm. There have times where we've dealt with, like we shared previously, we've dealt with medical professionals that are beating around the bush and treating us like we're less than. And so it's always those moments where it's like, all right, Rome, are you going to flash on them? Are you just going to let them talk? Because unfortunately, I'm still learning how to live in the gray area, but I can't because I know that if I say something, it won't stop. Just this last example, 
Callie went to the hospital um, sometime last year, and or it was after her uh, what her major surgery her in April twenty two, um, and she was vomiting quite a bit, and the care that we received at this hospital <sighs> was below subpar. It was it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we even gave them the plan of how to care for her, but she was throwing up every day six times a day. So she lost a lot of weight. She was very malnourished. You could see her ribs. She got a pressure injury because they were not rotating her. That's the whole point of being like that's their main job in the NICU and the PICU is to make sure you are turning and repositioning them so they don't get a pressure wound. <laughs> and she was so bad to where like when we finally were like we met our target date to come home. They tried to tell me that we couldn't bring my baby home, and I lost my absolute mind. Yes, and I wasn't there, and I know you did. They you, had to call the charge nurse. They had to call all these people down to like call me down because I was basically like, "F that! I'm taking my daughter home. I don't give two s what you say. Mm-hmm. We are going home because I. This is what hit." home for them. I said that our nursing staff is going to care way better than anybody here. Facts. For our daughter. And that was kind of like, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can we can make sure we get her discharge papers for tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, so all these moments you're talking about though, like how do you go against the the stigma that they say like an angry black man, angry black woman when you've been through things to make you angry. You've been through things where society has pushed your limits and there's no other way to respond with, but with anger. But if you do, you go back into the stereotype of that you're an angry black man, but you have every reason to be angry. And this is why this is pissing me off because everybody who's labeled the angry black man, there's redlining. You can't go in the same diner. You can't eat the same mm. food as white folks. Now your bus is getting blown up. Now you're getting rocks thrown at you. Now you're getting jumped. Mm-hmm. Now, like you're getting slurs. Like I'm just right. thinking about. I did a, a, a oral history report on my grandmother in 11th grade, and we were talking about wow. all of this stuff. And my grandfather was telling me all of this stuff, and my grandma was telling me how they used to get chased by the clans through the woods. Wow. But the fact that they knew the woods better, they knew where they to hide. And so that stigma of of angry black person when society continues to boo-boo on us and continues to provoke us and continues to press us. I'm kind of at a point to where, like, this sounds very militant, but I understand where Malcolm was coming from. Mm. It's like, we're not going to let them push us around. I understand where the Panthers were coming from. Yeah, We are going to come together and make sure we meet force with force. Notice we don't start stuff. Right. We just finish it. We don't start stuff. And so to your point today, that was the one moment because I do think about that stuff. And I do acknowledge that there is a lot for both of us to lose now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm just like all this stuff I have or my daughter's well-being and and care. Yeah. I'm choosing her a hundred times out of ten. Right. So I feel like the where we are in life and the things that we have been through when it comes to Cali, like it has made us be positioned in a way that we have to use our words wisely in these hospital settings because we know that that's her second home. We know that she has to go back. She has to see those doctors and how we represent and show up is how they see her. But we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to be told that we don't know how to care for her. So we had to advocate for her in such a different level than I feel like other parents might have to. 
because they do look at us and say, I think they look at all parents and they're just like, we know best. And we, I always feel like we have to prove ourselves so many times in these settings of, no, we know her best. And it's till we do certain things, it's like until we prove to them and, and pass these tests that they're not really telling us about, then they're like, oh, okay, the parents do know. Until we start naming off medicines and care plans and calling certain doctors, they're, they come back with, you know, your stuff, we'll back off. But why does it take that long is what I don't understand. And, and I know you've talked about your PTSD situation and, and mine is more of a situation that's happened while in our relationship. So with Callie, you guys all know about what we've endured, you know, from being in the hospital, you know, from finding out about her syndrome and being there for six months. And then we've had to go back multiple times for big surgeries. But most recently, two weeks ago, um, we have cameras in our house. And so I looked at the camera and I saw that she was up. And she was doing one of her like respiratory treatments with her nurse. So I go in about 15 minutes later to do her hair. And I see she's like laying in her nurse's arms. And it looked like she was sleeping. But the nurse had her hooked up to the oximeter, which is what shows her heart rate and her um, oxygen level. And they looked normal. It, heart rate was like 110. Oxygen level was like 97 at that point. And her nurse says, she's passed out. She passed out on me. And I it took me a minute to really register what she was saying. I, wait, what? And so I, I sat down, I held her and she was just unconscious, but she was breathing and we gave her oxygen. And like in that moment, it just took me back to some of these days in the hospital. It took me back to the reality of how quick our life can go from good to bad, how quick these emergency situations happen when you don't see it coming. Like she was fine the day before that. She was fine 10 minutes before that. And so handling that emotion, and it was such a trigger for me. And then we had to divide and conquer. Rome, I woke up Rome and I, I just tried to tell him like, this is about Callie. She's not doing well. She's passed out. I need you to get up. You actually said, I think you said there's something. Something's wrong with Callie. Yeah. And like, again, we, we're really, um, we don't use the word wrong just because like, that's one of the the triggers that some of the social media bullies will say. Um, because there's nothing wrong with her. But in that moment, she was obviously unconscious. So that was the the wrong, you know, like something's going on, like something's not okay. And I needed to like, I tried to be calm, but also a sense of urgency. Like, I need you up. We need to figure this out. You came in and was like, all right, we're going to the ER. And so I'm not gonna take you through the whole entire story, but Rome went to the ER within like 30 minutes. She made your phone calls to the hospital, the doctors, let them know they're on the way. And I had to hang back with Roman. And this was our first time of, here we are in this very stressful situation, but we have two kids. Yeah. And so you left and Roman woke up and he was smiling and I was like crying. And I and I thought like, I, I got to show up for you. But in this moment, my heart is just so torn and so sad because I don't know what's going on with Callie. And I'm getting updates for you, but having to be present for Roman. And it just reminded me so many times of like, this is our new life how happy I am that we gave Callie a sibling, but how many times we'll have to go through this moving forward of us being split. And this situation, this this, <laughs> this moment really tore at my heart and it made me just continue to relive other moments. And I, I think it's always going to happen. You know, like there's moments in her life where I just have a flashback to hospital time. I have a flashback to a procedure and 
I don't know when the end will happen. Like, I don't know when the end of these medical crises and these emergency situations will happen. And I feel like it's made us always on edge. We've always got to be ready to respond and to react. And therefore, I'm never in a state of like, I'm calm. It's like the moment I say, oh, everything's good, something happens. And so we are living through PTSD every day by being parents. And it's hard. It's hard to show up when you've got that in the back of your mind of any moment. You've got to get up and, and be able to to be there for her in that situation. Like, Yeah, I think it's it's something that quite a few people probably take for granted and not having to, you know, again, I'm not like trauma, uh, not trauma bonding, but I'm not like comparing traumas because, you know, trauma and situations are different for everybody. But like the fact of, you know, this is kind of what I was talking about with the unrealistic expectations of me as a chronically ill person. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so any any moment I have to be ready to respond to my daughter, which means that nothing else is a priority, which means that other people can't really fathom my life and while I'm why I'm always on. And, you know, the whole old adage of you go on vacation and you come back relaxed. Well, as a chronically ill caregiver, there's no relaxation. That's never, mm-hmm. it's not a thing. I haven't, I haven't been able to relax in, in a long time. And so we're just, you know, continuing to maintain and who knows how long, you can keep that up, but I think that my childhood PTSD is why um, in situations like that when, you know, like when Callie was born and she went to the children's hospital and when we like rush her to ER, it's because I always want my child, whether she's waking up from a surgery, a procedure mm-hmm. or whatever, to feel my presence there. Yeah. To feel comfortable there because my dad left when I was a child. And so... Like I, I'd never had that. And there's just so many, you know, studies of talking about like when parents split and all that stuff like that. And he wasn't even really actively involved in my life until probably sometime recently. Right. So it's like, I'm over here feeling isolated, feeling unwanted. And I'm just like knowing how bad and like how terrible those feelings are. And it's like, I never ever ever want my daughter to turn around and be like where's my where's my dad right but and in that situation though it's like we don't want that but it's so hard for us to all both be there it is one of us has to be the present one and i mean more in those like medical situations and i feel like that's why maybe we overcompensate when she's home and we're really thoughtful about how we show up in the house and give her that one-on-one time and get on the floor with her and love on her. And the doctors early on said like that loving environment for her is helping her heal. And you not getting that from your dad really stopped some of the healing process that you might needed. You might've needed, but I feel like our children have healed a, a part of your heart that was broken for a while. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, it's just like, I mean, I feel like that's, that's what parents should do, right? Mm-hmm. Parents, all parents should take the uh, the generational trauma curses and bullets so their kids don't have to. And we're just uh, um, like emotionally intelligent enough to like know that so we can stop it. Right. And that's what I'm actively stopping. But again, like to really go back to how to deal with, you know, PTSD in the relationship. I know we kind of say this every time, but 
self-work talking about it like there's an understanding now there's an understanding of like this is a traumatic stress trigger for me Mm -hmm. so don't do this right you know respect that boundary that you set respect what you've been through and know that i'm trying to still like it's almost like not forgiving myself Mm -hmm. for the moment but it's almost like letting it go and finally just like putting it to rest and like being okay with it and that's still a work in progress. Um, and maybe that's because like everything else in life is ahead of it, right. you know? And so it just gets kind of gets, tucked in the past with everything else. But yeah, um, as long until as there's a moment that triggers yeah, it. Yeah, until there's a moment that triggers it. But like, that's what I'm trying to do is, is limit those moments where and, it triggers. Yeah. And that's for me as a partner, that's what I'm trying to do is not trigger you. Like, the most person, the person that's going to trigger you the most with that is going to be me because we, we're around each other the most. Maybe, actually, take that back because you might see a TV show and see someone getting jumped, and that will bring you back to that moment. But as your partner, I'm trying to rem- remind myself of what your triggers are and, and not set you off. But the hard part is like when with Callie and just being parents, when your trigger is something that can happen at the drop of a dime and you can't control it. That is the hard part for us. And I, and those PTSD moments that we have with her, we both have, like, honored each other. So it's like, we don't talk a lot when it comes to, like, medical procedures. We just, we need silence. And we need not to talk about all that's going on. And, and to kind of be in that moment. Yeah. And so action items, just do your homework on yourself. No, your partner. Figure out the triggers. Figure out your partner's triggers. Figure out if it's something that you can you can live with. Because again, like I'm, sh- I, I know that there are cases of PTSD mm-hmm. where a previous partner that hurt you and you bring in some of that hurt to the next relationship. I know that happens often, and then yeah. you can't trust. And so, you know, again, I would challenge you to. I would challenge you to try and and heal that part, or at least try to be more trusting of your partner because when it comes down to it, like every relationship mm-hmm. in that regard could get soiled because you're afraid to allow yourself to go there. Well, how did you trust me? How did you, cause I was the next, your next partner from that relationship. Well, again, like I, for one, you were opposite. Mm. And so there wasn't like, there wasn't the same sort of, uh, things coming up in terms of like issues and stuff, but like, I could just tell you not to do something and you just wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I could tell you, hey, don't come up from behind me or don't, you know, don't don't do these things. Um, and more so being like, if you do, this is what's gonna happen. Right, right. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I asked for it, so <laughs> and honor it. All right, I know we got real, real serious with this pod. And so you're gonna see us get serious, you're gonna see us have fun. But we wanted to be vulnerable today and there was just some things that were on our heart that had just been going on in our lives that we wanted to share with you and just be real, you know. And so I hope you guys were able to take something from today. And I know like sharing experience can be really hard. And so I'm not going to ask you to drop in the comments, but I do ask that you talk to your partner and and you do some reflection, you, you do some therapy to work through what you're what you're going through, any PTSD that you might have. And maybe that's something that you don't realize that you're going through until you stop for a moment. It's like, wow, that from my past 
I've been holding on to and it's been showing up in my life in so many different ways and I've been taking it out on others. Yeah. Look back to your childhood. Because again, a lot of a lot of stuff can be answered just by your childhood. Maybe the the parents that you thought were the greatest parents in the world weren't actually really present with you and that's why you can't get present with people and in the moment and vulnerable with people. You just, you know, show up as a being. So just again, keep all that in mind. Know mm -hmm. that we're still working. I'm still working. Um, so we just, we just ask that you do the work. Yeah. Do the work for yourself. All right, y'all. So if you are watching and you are not subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Go follow us on our personal channels, Felicia Levin, Rome Johns, and it will be in the description. And we'll be back with episode 11, which will be a little more fun and lighthearted, okay? I promise you. <laughs> Bye, guys.